0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast
1: One.
2: We live in a world of
0: fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better.
2: With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it
3: means to live feelessly with Carvana. Does anybody want breakfast?
4: Guys, let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds! Why do you move start with that?
0: The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning.
3: Hey, everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. If you like this show, you are going to love Divorce Sucks with Laura Wasser on Podcast One. Join the divorce lawyer of the stars as she talks to Golden Globe-winning actress Kate Hudson. Download Divorce Sucks with Laura Wasser every Monday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
6: Stay little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: It was a crazy week in trailers with
3: Phoenix, Hellboy, and Shazam. Oh, and we got a Captain Marvel spoiler-free discussion coming up here with a very special guest. Welcome to Heroes! And we also have an interview with
0: Clark Gregg that Amy and Dorian did, which I'm very excited to see because I wasn't there, so now I get to see it.
3: I got to watch it. It was very interesting to see Dorian asking questions and not fanboying out over Clark Greg. Not-, not I mean he was like I assume I assumed exclamation points okay. It was fun to watch though, I tell you. So and you guys are gonna enjoy that interview when we screen it here a little bit later on in the show. Lot of fun, lot of fun. Dorian, Amy, incredible questions. But hey. The guest who's with us right now, the great Perry Nemiroff. How are you, Perry?
2: I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Hopefully here to spread the love today, some positivity. There I don't go. know. I'm trying to be hopeful here. Perry's <laughs>
0: second appearance on Collider Heroes. This right. is episode 295. That's right. We are five episodes from the big 300th issue, which will be standard length, but very big and exciting. So I'm excited <laughs> for issue number 300. And now, this week was one of the craziest weekend trailers, I think, ever, especially for comic book properties, because we didn't just one, not two, but three all from different houses, mm. and this kind of shows peak comicdom where different studios having comic properties is a win, because these studios wouldn't compete with themselves, mm. but because they're different houses, we got Dark Phoenix from Fox, we got Shazam from DC, and right in the middle, we got Hellboy from Dark House, and they were all so different. These trailers yeah. couldn't have been more different, except the fact the last two had
3: demonic, fiery, overlord-type creatures, <laughs> which are kind of anti heroes Well, it's also interesting because all of them come at, with different stages of their relationships with their particular studios, yeah. right? you got with Sony, with uh, with uh, Dark Phoenix, you don't know what's going to happen now going forward. Obviously, the merger, the recast. Is this a f- dead fish that's arriving here and we're just going to watch it and, and enjoy it? Or are people going to love it and it's a great send-off for this X-Men franchise as it hands its power over to Disney and see what Disney's going to do with it? And then with Hellboy, they're rebooting this thing. Are they going to get it right? A lot of people kind of, they love the Ron Perlman, they love the Elmer editorial yep. versions of it. Is David Harbour going to bring people and butts into the seats, Neil Marshall, are they going to put butts in the seats to start restart this franchise? But Shazam and DC coming off Aquaman, will this be a next further positive step for DC in this essentially reboot of their approach to their movies? Yeah. So it's exciting. Beginning, middle, and end. I yeah. like that. Yeah,
2: It's a weird experience watching all three of these back to back to back because <laughs> as they came out this week, I watched them all individually. We covered on Movie Talk and... I think that they're all at a certain level, but when you watch them back to back to back, it is so abundantly clear that Shazam is on like this sky high (laughs) level. And then it almost made Hellboy and Dark Phoenix pale in comparison even more to me watching them all in one shot. And Shazam has easily become one of my most anticipated movies of the entire year. I love the vibe. I love the story. And I haven't completely lost faith in Hellboy and Dark Phoenix, but... Yeah, those those look a little rough around the edges. Hellboy just, it kind of just looks batshit crazy. And that is semi what I thought Neil Marshall was going to go with. But all the visual effects, it makes me a little nervous. And as for Dark Phoenix, I don't quite know what to make of that anymore. I think it's a really risky move that they just revealed a major spoiler yeah. in that trailer. I don't quite understand that. That, to me, says, oh, we're just going to do whatever we can to sell some tickets and wipe our hands clean of this and move on.
3: And that, that's a little unfortunate. Yeah, I, You know, I'd, I'd spoken to people who had seen a screening of it last year, of Dark yeah. Phoenix, a fan screening. And they mentioned that this character was going to die. Because I wanted the spoiler ahead of time. And to see them lean into it. Why? As parents, well, uh, because, well, I just wanted it because I, I really didn't care at this point, <laughs> to be honest with you. He was, was as they, done as they after were. After Apocalypse, I was as done as you're done with that damn franchise. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, let's see, and and uh, they told me what the spoiler was, and I was like, oh, okay. So to see them lean in, I think there's a point to this. Perry, what you say, they know the reputation right now for Dark Phoenix is that people are like, why should I go see it if you're transferring it over, you're going to recast? What's the point? The way you re get attention back onto your pro- project is to reveal this massive. Why? It's a gamble. I, see, it's a gamble. I don't, I don't know even if it's understand right, that. But it's w- a gamble. What
2: I'm not understanding about that is why showing that that specific character dies mm. versus Hiding it and just making it be like, oh, she kills someone, but you don't yeah. know who, because immediately your mind would maybe go to to Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have thought. And then to be surprised oh, in saying. the context of the full feature, mm-hmm. I think might have had a more powerful effect than me going in, knowing that when they have that showdown in the street. She's probably going to die. Ironically,
0: it's a it's a comic book trope to put the comic cover having the death on the cover. So right. it kind of lines up that yeah. it's like, hey, buy this issue because inside this features this. So they kind of did that with the trailer. They made it a comic cover and they were like, one of these X-Men dies. This is the one. Right. Which is since the 90s. They've been doing that it's since forever. But the since 90s the really. Crisis of Infinite Earths. Yeah. They did it when, she, when, he's, holding, when he's holding Supergirl. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. So, since yeah. comics they do sensationalize. The 90s had like the density right. of them. Right. But the I also death, thought it was interesting that uh, there was two like redemption trailers and one victory lap i Mm. thought both hellboy and phoenix were like we're sorry but look what we did because i liked the first hellboy trailer but i know i was in the minority Mm. whereas this new hellboy trailer i think was universally loved i liked it a lot like hellboy they got into it and then the phoenix a lot of people were like oh i'm now more interested whereas shazam i feel like the actual cut was a lot more just scenes because they don't need to tell they're just doing a victory lap Mm. they're like just running around like shazam going it's coming out soon i'm billy batson so the tone of all three trailers was very different Mm. and i think it's because of those different points of Production you mentioned, yeah. and I think we're going to have a really interesting spring because one of these movies is a transition, like you said. And Hellboy has a lot to prove, whereas Shazam, we feel great about DC right now. Aquaman was incredible. Shazam looks so much fun. I'm very excited for what the DC universe is going to become. So I feel like Shazam doesn't have to try as hard as the other two. I
3: love Coin and Dorian, and they feel very positive about <laughs> this. So I respect them both very much. I appreciate they're respect- saying that. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, a lot of people do feel positive about DC, so I'm not going to deny that. You guys know I wasn't the biggest fan of Aquaman but I am looking forward to Captain Marvel because this is my favorite DC character. One of the most overlooked DC characters ever. He has the same level of strength as Superman and people don't give him enough love earth's mightiest mortal. That's literally what he's called. So it excites me. This last trailer didn't quite a hundred percent give me over the hump. I was already in, but I thought it was a little too comic-y or a little too funny for me, but that may be my, I have to change my approach to this mm-hmm. in that they might be going more. And we talked about our movie talk mm-hmm. more of a comic book-y approach. Sure. That's my perception, right? My, Opinion, so but I'm still super excited to see it and see what they do with it because this is a, Billy Batson, ba, Billy Batson and the Marvel family are a fantastic thing to explore if they get it right. This if they if people love this, the next films will be interesting to see if they go with the Marvel family, yeah. Mary Marvel, the dog, all that stuff. That it would be interesting if they're opening the door to the Marvel family.
0: Now we spent a few minutes talking about the overall tone. Now let's quickly break mm. down each of these trailers, just brief highlights. So we'll start with the one that came out first, Dark Phoenix. We talked about the death. That obviously was a very jarring moment for me. The scope of this movie looks bigger than I expected. Mm-hmm. I, I was worried they'd keep it grounded. I was worried we'd get Last Stand again. But the the opening in space and the cosmic, and it looks like the relationship between Cyclops and Gene is at least acknowledged unlike right. what they were kind of shaping up mm-hmm. in the last one. And to me, the visuals are stronger than the last trailer. So Phoenix, I'm not fully sold, but I'm more sold than I was a week ago.
2: Well, the cosmic stuff is what I saw at New York Comic Con. Okay. So that excites me because I liked that sequence. I liked that sequence a lot, actually. And I thought it looked really good, too. So I think that was the stuff that stood out to me most. Mm -hmm. Some of the emotional beats, just because I'm also a big fan of Sophie Turner as an actress. So, you know, sometimes it's a little jarring when you get like a teeny tiny major emotional moment crammed into a trailer. But I still see little sparks of her being able to really fully lead a movie like this. And that always excites me. And. I mean, really, any time I get to see all these characters back together again, it doesn't even matter if my expectations are lower than they were for previous X-Men installments. I mean, there's a reason why Marvel is going to wind up bringing them into the MCU in the future. It's because these characters are awesome, and I'm just excited to see them all back together.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, would agree. I, 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 like, I want to see what uh, Sophie Turner does with this, and basically a goodbye to the character, mm-hmm. see what she brings to it. Um, I, my concern is because they talked about they're going to go to space. Kimberg made a big deal we're going to space. I hope there's a lot of space in this, because if there isn't, then it's a bit of a pitch that did not 100% come to fruition, and if it's going to be more uh, Earth-based or land-based, then we're back into this whole situation over and over again. It's, can they make it work? What they pitch out like they did with Apocalypse. We pitch Apocalypse, comes to Earth, and it's a, a bit of a mess, so sure. your hope and the Chastain stuff. I'm still on the fence with the character and the way she's playing and the way she's portraying. Jessica Chastain's Chastain's a fantastic actress; uh, should be should have been multiple Oscar nominated actress and to me or a winner. Uh, but to me, I worry about how she's playing this character. So. I wonder if this is another Oscar Isaac situation mm-hmm. where you get a good actor to play this character, but they don't 100% make it work within the context of the actual Certainly. film. So we'll see. And detail-wise, I love that the Jim Lee stubble was on
0: Xavier. Yeah. shot of McAvoy, I was like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. 1991's Jim Lee stubble. Uh, now, Hellboy, a highlight for me was obviously the money shot of Riding on the Dragon. Yeah. We saw the the fiery crown in the last shot, and they've evolved that. Now, we get a lot more creature design in this one. We get that cover, you know, that iconic mm. cover of the song. Uh, I really liked Smoke on the water being used that way, I never would have expected to work. But the character design is what's selling me on this, even more than necessarily Hellboy, right. which is very different from the Guillermo del Toro versions, mm-hmm. because to me, that was very much the Guillermo del Toro show, and his character design is implied amazing. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, they feel like they're showing off because they need to catch up. It, to me.
3: yeah. How did you guys feel about Hellboy? Yeah, I thoroughly love this trailer, and I, I'm down with it. I know, some, I know that we've get, I've know been getting some backlash for liking the trailer onto it or whatever, but I, I don't care. Like I, I want to give Neil Marshall a shot to see what he can do with this David Harbour is not like Ron Perlman. It's mm-hmm. two different dudes bringing two different energies to this character. And the way Hellboy is being done in this feels more authentic than the Hellboy Ron Perlman did. Nothing wrong with what Ron Perlman did. I love that first Hellboy and Golden Army. Uh, so, But like this one feels more authentic. And Mignola even came out and said it's the more authentic approach to my character. So that excites me. I love Daniel Day Kim being a part of this. Yeah. I love that Ian McShane is going to be a really big part of this. Uh, once again, two completely different energies versus John Hurt and Ian McShane, two completely different energies, and so I like that. It's, it seems to be more of a, for lack of a better term, more of a balls-out, a blast batshit crazy approach, yeah. and that gets me excited because... If you're going to talk about Aquaman, swung for the fences, and you got to respect that they're swinging for the fences here with Hellboy, so you got to respect that as well. So I'm looking forward to see what they bring. In.
2: I'm way more mixed on this, yeah. than you. Um, I, it's like, and it's weird because I'm I'm kind of torn on it too because part of me almost respects them for going absolutely right. crazy because with a scenario like this, what do you really do? But I do really like the Guillermo del Toro movies, and mm-hmm. it actually it's what I say about Jurassic Park often: the older movies compared to the newer movies, is that the older movies have a reach-out-and-touch-it vibe. Mm -hmm. It feels more grounded and more real. And when you bathe everything in digital effects like they have here, I think that takes some of that away. So that's part of the reason why I wasn't really feeling this trailer. But one thing that I did like that kind of caught me by surprise is, again, I like the Guillermo del Toro movies. I like Ron Perlman in the role. In this case, I think David Harbour almost comes through Hellboy mm-hmm. where I know you was, like you want Good to point. lose yourself in the role, but there were certain moments that felt very David Harbour to mm-hmm. me and I liked it. I liked it. That Those were the moments where this iteration of Hellboy really was like was shining to me and I like that and I'm also really pumped to see Sasha Lane in this movie. Mm-hmm. She kind of stole the show at New York Comic Con. I like her vibe. I like her style. It's something different and I'm psyched to see her in this.
3: Can I ask one, one last thing this? I like that he's part of the team like in the first two films with Hellboy he is so big and large and overpowering to the other people that he is the central focus with this it feels like this is an ensemble it feels like a a supernatural team which for me is what
0: Magnola does well Mm -hmm. Magnola builds a world and this feels like world building not necessarily Guillermo del Toro's world building Mm -hmm. which is so specific and lovely and once again we both those movies are near perfect but I like that this feels like a Magnola art piece Mm -hmm. this feels that that inclusivity of that world and the R rating makes me feel like they're going to swing for the fences. The R rating really is a testament to like, trust us, we know what we're doing. And then of course, finally, we've we've touched on Shazam, we've touched on the new trailer, we've touched on the comedy, but overall thoughts on Shazam individually. I
2: freaking loved this thing. And... I love this fun silly vibe that they're going for because it made me laugh out loud. The part where he throws Batman. I was (laughs) tackling at that. Kevin Conroy's Batman. And the same thing towards the end too when he busts into the building and you hear all that and you don't see it. It really, really worked for me. Everybody knows I'm on the same page with Roka about Aquaman. I didn't love it, but I will say that even though I didn't love that specific movie, there was something about the creativity and the style and the swing for the fences feel that gave me so much more renewed hope in the DC film franchise going mm-hmm. forward. And I think this movie is tapping into that excitement, and everything that I'm hearing that's coming after it is kind of getting it too. So even though I didn't like that one movie, the fact that it gave me that positivity back is still really exciting. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I don't know what more to add. I mean, I'm, in, I'm in, I'm down, I'm going, enough said. Uh,
0: so I like that it felt like a series of scenes. I like that it didn't really give a lot of story elements because I feel like we've gotten enough story from the other two trailers and that we already trust it. We're already in for Suzanne. This was just an opportunity to be like, here's some new stuff that's just funny, and I don't want to know much more. So this trailer being very close to the release made me happy they didn't give us much more. Uh, I also really like the humor. I love that it was Kevin Conroy's Batman. For some reason, hearing that voice yes. made me extra excited. Yes. Hearing the animated series and seeing the yellow belt, I was like, this is what I wanted. So those moments. <laughs> (laughs) in the trailer really spoke to me, and I like that DC isn't married to their shared universe anymore. Exhibit A, using Kevin Conroy's Batman. So, just that blip gave me hope. I'm really excited to see this going forward, and Shazam is one of my most anticipated of the year, so the fact that it's out in mere weeks is very exciting. Now, another giant movie (laughs) did, in fact, come out for press, and the premiere was last night. Uh, The Captain Marvel official release is Friday, so we're not going to give a single spoiler because we're not monsters. Captain Marvel, overall non-spoiler thoughts. What'd you guys think?
3: I defer. to
2: I mean, people do. I was going to defer to you first okay. because yeah, I I know you guys generally know what I think if you watched my review mm. with Amy. And I really do appreciate you inviting me on this show to be able to talk about it a little further because I, I really loved the movie. I am not completely blind to certain flaws in it. And I think specifically they are story flaws and they are flaws in the way that the action is shot. But. When it comes down to it, the vibe and the tone, and I think Brie Larson's confidence in that role really kind of just, like, captured my attention and sucked me in from the second that movie began, and... I know this is not what everybody wants to hear, and I know there was some uh, misunderstanding with what I thought about this being an unprecedented opportunity for a female hero to take the spotlight. I'm not stupid. I know Ripley existed. I know we got Wonder Woman, but I'm not (laughs) sitting here comparing it to all of that. And also, this is a first for the MCU. And yeah, I am a big MCU fan. I have been watching these movies and been super dedicated to this brand nonstop since 2008. This is a big deal for me. I can't take the personal element out of my feelings with this movie, and it got me. Seeing her get knocked down and get back up over and over again that freaking spoke to me. That spoke to me as a little girl who did things like that with go-karts and always tried to do things that the boys wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Always got knocked down and got right back up again and part of the reason that all that happened led me to this place right here, so this movie really got me.
3: Yeah, I haven't played Perry in basketball. She does get back up <laughs> and knock her down. So if you, you go see that on the Nemi blog. You can see that now. I'll go on her YouTube channel and see us play basketball. No, listen, I, I totally respect that, and that's why I have to, like, defer, in in my opinion, defer to uh, review... Uh, I don't know how can say this correctly. I want to defer to women who go to see this, because like with Wonder Woman, it spoke to them in so many different ways that, as a man going in, it might not speak to me in those like visceral ways you know and so but I will say this it's definitely a film you should see I, I I, I thought the plot holes like for me it was looking at it objectively as a film I had some issues with some plot holes some handed relationships that weren't fleshed out or built and that bothered me a little bit but overall Brie Larson is incredible in this role she's hmm. fantastic in this role are there a couple of moments where you would what you wanted her to bring a little more to it yes but overall she's great and it's like it's she feels like she's putting she's putting on an old old shirt she's worn forever and it's so natural and when when she fully embraces it but you're just in you're just so in and i love that but i'll tell you this you got to give love to ben Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn <sighs> is fantastic in this movie steals this movie and goose is yes. incredible goose comes uh, for me i immediately was like i'm gonna get a funko pop goose like this. I, I don't care what my girlfriend says i have to hide it under the desk i'm gonna have a goose funko pop and i love that and you do get the nick fury the, really the, the the movie hums when it's Fury and Larson, when it's uh, Sam and Jackson and Larson, and that's really enjoyable. So uh, overall, End of betting is great as well. Jude Law is fantastic. So there's a lot about this film to like. It's just for me, I think, a little bit. I wanted some more fleshed out characters, and some of the plot holes bothered me overall. And uh, you know, and if you want to see what I fully, go, go to my tweet and blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's how I feel about it. But you should definitely go see it. Absolutely go see it because it's still an enjoyable film. I agree.
0: Absolutely go see it. Uh, I had some problems with it. I definitely loved the third act. And, and mm-hmm. to not give anything away, I loved how how much it went. It just kept, kept, kept. And I was really impressed with that because the trailers don't really touch on the full scope of this film. And I really once again, I appreciate that. I like going to a movie and seeing a movie, not a series of trailers. So I liked that we were reminded of 90 Samuel L. Jackson. I liked that we were reminded of 90s buddy cop movies. And I liked that a lot of that relationship was between Bree and Samuel L. Jackson. That was a lot of the buddy cop. And I loved and And whatever crap I give for this, I love that there was no implied love interest except for Lashana Lynch and Brie Larson's like bromance. They were so cool together. I really love that their sisterhood was so instantly impactful. I love that Lashana Lynch came on screen and you were like, they've known each other forever. You felt their relationship and that was so important for me because I'm a Top Gun diehard and as soon as they announced the cat was named Goose, I was like, there's a high bar they're setting. There's a precedent they're making right there with that name and it lived up to that. I also love that You don't need to know the mythology because this movie teaches you so much. There's so much deep exposition of deep comic lore. I was worried when they announced some of the details about the film that the average moviegoer couldn't enjoy it. But by the time this movie was rolling, I was like, they did a masterful job explaining decades of comic continuity, decades of characters, decades of all this. And the movie felt like an origin movie, including some of the stumbles. But it also did a thing where it kept itself over here. And I really appreciated the fact that if you've never seen a Marvel movie, you can still have Captain Marvel. And all of these thoughts don't matter because I'm a dude and I've had 19, 20 Marvel movies. (laughs) And the entire time I was watching this movie, I was thinking, I'm really enjoying this, but I'm really glad this movie's not just for me. Because now I've had Spider-Man my whole life. I've had Daredevil. I've had all the X-Men. I've had all these dudes that are feeling put down. And so many girls, they had Wonder Woman last year, which is amazing, or two years or whatever came out, but now they've got another one, and that's what's really important to me. I watched the movie going, this is going to make my little sister so happy. This is going to make my future daughter so happy. This is going to make every single girl have someone else to look up to in addition to their pantheon of heroes, and that's what mattered to me throughout. From the opening minute of the movie, I was so happy for little girls getting to go, it's me! And then I took a backseat. I almost watched this movie
3: as me watching this yeah, movie. And we like, have to. And we have to. Yeah. And that's okay to do that, to sit back in a backseat and go, look. this is, you know, going and And I'm chilling out. I'm just happy to be here to watch it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. People trying to make such a big deal about it on Twitter. Drive me insane. This movie is being used to push two different narratives or three different narratives that are completely off base. It's just a movie at its base form, but it's a movie that promotes something that should have been promoted way before now, and there's nothing wrong with
2: that. But still, your opinions matter. Everybody's opinion out there matters. I don't want anybody to think, oh, you can't review this movie just Mm. because you're not a woman. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about and really you can apply this thinking to any review out there. It's about multiple people coming at it from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. That's why we always encourage people to go and find multiple reviewers that you really like that you could jump around to because everyone's going to come at every single movie from a different perspective. And in this particular case, it just happens to be a very prominent thing that's that it's a big deal that this is our first female led Marvel movie. And the hope is in the future. I know some of you out there are sick of hearing that over and over. Oh, female director, female led movie. The point is, we have to keep saying it right now because it is a new thing. Yeah. With the hope that down the line, it just becomes the norm and we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's just a matter that this is the norm that's been set for years past and it just takes time to course correct that and to include everybody. There is nothing wrong with that. Everybody could see every movie out there, come at it from a different perspective, and we could all have a friendly conversation yeah. about
3: it. You just wait till I rally the Latino and Latina troops to get us our damn superheroes. So just, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong camera. Are you, are you just ready? You get ready. There's the call arms. Blue Beetle, make it happen. Vamos! <laughs> now, our own thing, our own thing. I don't want to take over mantles. Our own thing. That's what's missing. So That's what inspires me, honestly, about Wonder Woman and about Black Panther and about Captain Marvel. There is an audience for these uh, films that are led by people who have not been leading them before. Let's make this happen. Now, we have two white women who, now let's go what's, where's the female black? Let's for there's a female Latino, there's a female Asian mm-hmm. superhero. I love that. All of that is there to be done. So let's make it forward and go forward. And yes, white males get included too. So let's everyone just let's move forward. It's okay. I,
0: and one of the things I'm looking forward to, slight tangent, Hobbs and Shaw, they're focusing so much on the Samoan heritage yeah, and that's yeah, really yeah. exciting to me that we're actually looking at things like this. So yeah. I will fight on this, this hill as long as I need to, internet, because I think it's important and I think that it needs to be talked about. And I think Captain Marvel is so important and so big. So as we dive into that, I also cannot wait for our spoiler review because this is one of those movies there are moments that i'm twitching it was so hard to even talk about right now because there's an image in my head that i'm like need to talk about so spoiler review next week is going to be like at 11 because there's a lot (laughs) so we're going to get into that but for now definitely go see captain marvel for so many reasons and know how big it gets and how insane this movie goes definitely check it out uh now speaking of captain marvel our own dorian parks and amy dollin spoke to a member of the Captain Marvel cast, and he's on the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've never heard of it, but this guy Dorian, he's always yelling about it. Now, they're S.H.I.E.L.D. agents? I don't know. So we're going to we're gonna talk to them right now.
5: So we are here with a very special guest on Collider Heroes. Please welcome Clark Gregg. Yes. How are you doing today?
4: I'm okay. How are you?
5: Good, thank you. Uh, so we are very, very excited for Captain Marvel, and I've also brought uh, our resident... Agents of Shield, super fan. Yes,
1: uh, I, I'm, I'm, anytime I'm on he- heroes, I have to mention Agents of Shield, even if it's not the topic, because that's like my favorite show ever made, and it deserves more love and recognition. So wow! Thanks, man. Me, yeah. That really
4: makes me happy. We work really hard, and it's really it really means a lot to me. Yes, yeah, so
1: it's it's an, it's an amazing show. So, before while we're talking about Captain Marvel, we just wanted to say so how much of the how much of the movie and the de aging technology is from Marvel's side, and how much is that from you and uh, you and Samuel Jackson just not having aged in, in forever.
5: I see no proof that that's ever happened.
1: <laughs> um, that's very nice of you. Um, I,
4: th- what they said to me was, listen, we, we want you to be in another movie. This one takes place in the 90s. We'll get you a trainer. And I was like, <laughs> there's, there's no trainer that can take me back there, my friend. And he said, no, don't worry. We, we can do some of the digital stuff. And then, uh, you know, there was definitely some hair enhancements. And then we had we, we go to work, and I got dots, and Sam's got dots, and... How, how much they changed, I don't know. I know that I walked in there one day with a bruise from doing jiu-jitsu, and I said, I feel really bad. This is pretty bad. And they said, pal, don't worry. <laughs> of all the things we're going to fix on your face, that's the least of them. <laughs> it was a humbling experience. I mean, I'm excited to see it tonight.
5: So will this be your first time seeing the whole thing?
4: This will be my first time seeing the whole oh, thing? wow.
5: Excellent. We're recording this a couple of days ago. We've been saving it for y'all. Uh, I can't wait to... I I hope it'll be a wonderful experience. Uh, I'm curious about the movie overall, what it means for Coulson, and what it might have meant for you to be coming back for this.
4: Um, It's just one more thrilling, I can't believe this kind of moment of, I've gotten to do so much more and go so much deeper into this character and his world and several different worlds. Um, Even just several different worlds within Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, they kind of tear it apart every season. Um, So to kind of come get a chance to come back and do an origin beat really just a couple of moments where you see this guy he's new in shield i think you already get the sense that he's a little obsessed with shield <laughs> and but hasn't found his way or isn't really sure what he's doing you know he's starting to be a grown man and he's you know he's obsessed with cap and so he's in shield and then he meets somebody he clearly has decided that whether it's his spy craft or his intelligence or just his swagger, this young Nick Fury agent is the guy he wants to hang around with. And uh, at first, for reasons that will become clear when you see the movie, Nick Fury's not so sure. And it's really fun to kind of to explore that more innocent version of this guy. In a moment, and I think a lot of people in the movie have this moment, where they're, they found themselves some. In a moment, in a place And they're not quite sure how they got there But it's that moment when they're realizing On a deeper level Who they are and what their purpose is
1: yeah, and when, like you're saying, I I, I realized because I we saw the movie already, but once I realized like this, if you're an Agent of Shield fan and you you saw how well Colson's character has been and fleshed out and thoroughly uh, built, it kind of is like it, it, you give his origin, and you get to see like how that really has been fleshed and developed in the show. It's like his character has stayed so authentic and 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 not changing or breaking away from that that character that makes Colson his Colson, like never giving up, never like even if you got to turn turn a blind eye to somebody and, and just... Go for it. That's I just really love that about it. So, how was your experience like going from the, the TV side going back into the the MCU from just that just that from like that point of?
4: It's a great question. I mean, I mean, I wanted to respect the DNA of the guy that everybody knows, and yeah, this is a good 15 years before Iron mm-hmm. Man, so it's really a moment we've never seen before. And yet, I really felt like what. Um, Ryan Fleck and Anne about it in their script and the world that they were creating it felt oh, this is what S.H.I.E.L.D. would be like in the 90s we don't know too much yet this is the, feels like the first real alien exposure and so my job was really about trying to find a way to have this be the version of Phil Coulson who hadn't had his heart broken literally hmm. or figuratively <laughs> at, the, at, at that point and still have it be someone that tracks to where it goes.
5: I know you had a great question about, uh, without getting too much into spoilers territory, about the issue of mentorship and how that was an influence on Coulson and how we sort of see it carrying forward in The Shield Show now.
4: Yes, that's a really good point. I mean, you you do see ways that Nick Fury has that... In his DNA, that he recognizes things about people, and he's very emotionally intelligent about people. Whether it's this person he meets, Carol Danvers, uh, or whether it's Phil Coulson, he seems to see something in Coulson, and we know we know that many years later, it's borne out his instincts about Coulson and their relationship. Carries that trust. And that's something that the creators of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Joss and everybody else, Marissa and Jed, that they used as well, which is that Coulson has intuitions about people and he trusts them. And I think it comes from believing the concept of what S.H.I.E.L.D. is about, which is that the many will always be able to be more powerful than even a superpowered one, mm. in the case that the superpowered one has bad intentions, and and I don't know. For me, it really, you feel the DNA of what it's all about, of what S.H.I.E.L.D.'s about, and it's perfectly represented here in ways that I do think you see in Shield, and also in the other movies.
1: Yeah, and for example, like how you, how Nick Fury's kind of mentored you. That's what you, that's what you pretty much did throughout. Once uh, Mac was introduced, and now he's kind of under your wing, and now he's off becoming, he's the director of Shield now, technically. So I just love how that that journey mirrored itself. But for while we're talking about agents, or while we're talking about the movie side, if Captain America or Tony Stark knew you were alive, how would they? How would you introduce yourself to them? Let them know that you were still alive. In in the the MCU um, you know I may, I may have played Phil Coulson too long and that I thought about this
4: <laughs> like I feel bad that they don't know I, mean, I feel like I lied to them and it upsets me a little bit um, you know I suspect they're going to be a little angry but I mean I wasn't as we know from the first season of Ages of Shield he wasn't in on it he didn't know he didn't know the horrible traumatic lengths they went to to bring him back I suspect there'd be some things to resolve, but mm-hmm. that I don't know, I, it's hard for me to believe that Tony Stark doesn't know whatever he needs to know. Uh, that's a fair point. And the one thing we, I think we're starting to get in Captain Marvel is, you think you know what the secrets are in S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't know. Mm-hmm. There are secrets within the secrets, and the reasons for keeping them, I think, won't be clear to anybody, including me, until after Endgame.
5: That's exciting. Any uh, more information that you want to throw at us about that future of the MCU question? I ask. I can help. throw all
4: kinds of information <laughs> to you. Just none of it would be any more based on anything but my own reading of fan sites than that.
5: I am uh, actually I'm very curious. Uh, How Just to call back to something that happened a little while ago, uh, you will have done a million of these since then, uh, but I had a chance to talk to you in 2014 on the Winter Soldier red carpet, and I made you talk about comic books. Uh, And it's one of my favorite memories, especially now, because all this time later, when we asked uh, what you recommended to folks, you said pretty much anything by Jim Starlin. Uh, So I want to just go on record with how very correct you were about the areas that people should look at in comic books.
4: How about that? (laughs) That's just because I love Jim Starlin. I didn't realize that's the whole next thing they were going to (laughs) do in the MCU. Yeah, I was a little on the money with that one, wasn't I? (laughs) It wasn't based on anything I knew. My mother had sent me some notebooks of mine that theoretically should have been filled with math, (laughs) and all they were was me trying to mimic Jim Starlin's incredible lines on Warlock and other uh, Captain, Mar- and even a Captain Marvel. Was uh, it
5: odd? I mean, obviously we're working with a different element of the legacy of that character, but that name yeah. obviously is strongly so. Was it weird to show up for work uh, uh, to Captain Marvel?
4: No, because I'd been i been aware of the Carol Danvers. I thought that was such a great run, mm-hmm. and I mean, please, I'm an '80s guy, so the helmet with the mohawk is <laughs> all I ever wanted out of life, <laughs> and the fact that it may appear in the movie, <laughs> very exciting.
5: Yeah, we're all very excited for that. Uh, Is there anything else that you recommend that people might be missing out on, since I know that you do have that uh, background love for comics?
4: Um, No, I'm in a different game now, which is I've certainly repurchased a lot of my favorite stuff at different cons. But I'm just, I'm trying to catch up because I think some of the stuff that's been done in kind of graphic novel books... Mm -hmm. I mean, even some of the stuff they gave me when we were shooting Iron Man from extremists and some of that stuff. But just the, the marriage of graphic novels and comic books, I think, has taken it to a whole nother level. I think you're dead on. There's so much. And I mean, there. I would say, yeah, you know, people should maybe go check out this movie, Spider, Spider Verse, and yeah. the, yeah. the Spider Verse, but it's a little too late on that one because it just won an Oscar.
5: It's never too late. There are still people out there being like, oh, you know, I finally saw Spider Verse. It turns out it's good. So, oh, really? Thank you for helping to spread the word on that.
1: That's one. infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So on on the Angel of Shield side, do you have any favorite Felinda moments? Because the the Angel Show Shield fans wouldn't mm-hmm. let me get away if I didn't ask that. I mean, there's there's so
4: many. I'm so. I so much love the Philinda people. Mm-hmm. It's the ship of Phil Coulson and Melinda May, for those of you who aren't caught up. And uh, Ming-Na Wen is such a spectacular actress, and there's just always been this great chemistry between us and between those two characters. And the writers shamelessly stretched that forbidden romance out <laughs> for so long. But finally, uh, in... What season? Season five. Mm-hmm. In season five, when he doesn't have long to live, finally, they're behind a holographic shield that comes out of his fake arm. Again, catch up with the show if you're missing it. Um, they have this spectacular kiss, and uh, that, was, that was right up there. There's an, there's, it's funny. There's an early... There's an episode that is a flashback to the first mission they ended up on together. It feels pre-Iron Man, but post... Uh, but post-Captain Marvel... Mm-hmm. And he's definitely struggling a little bit uh, in terms. I mean, she, she gives him a hard time because they were having to pretend to be a couple on an, on a mission, and they were supposed to kiss, and she didn't feel like he committed the way he should have. And I'm just so mortified. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and also with uh, with the Angel Shield side, uh, what, what was your favorite behind the scenes moment of season five, or just in general, like any stories you have with Chloe Bennett and them? You know, it's one of those
4: things that you don't get as much in the cinematic world where we're there July July till April, until recently when we moved into the delicious 13-episode seasons. Mm -hmm. And and then five, six years go by, and Chloe Bennett goes from being a not-quite-20-year-old to a grown woman. And we've all been through so much together that, for example... When Fitz and Simmons get married, we do a lot of takes because we're emotional basket cases. <laughs> and when it comes, to, when Phil and uh, Melinda are going to get off the plane and go to the actual Tahiti, uh, we're really saying goodbye. It's an episode called "The End." We don't know if we're coming back. Those moments where just our life and our connection kind of take over. Those are really fun. There's been so many great journeys, so many amazing guest stars from the amazing, we've lost two of them, Bill Paxton and Powers Booth, Kyle McLaughlin, um, Constance Zimmer, so many amazing people. Ruth Nega, we've just had so many Mm -hmm. wonderful actors come through and play with us and really
1: make our show better. Yes, and that's why everybody should be watching Angel's Shield. It, all five seasons are on Netflix. You can go watch it now. It comes back in May, so make sure yeah. to tune in. He's just, correct. Just have to give a little promo We're for we putting you that. on the payroll.
5: <laughs> it is neat, though, because that quality, getting to see different sides of the Marvel Universe in different formats, speaks to sort of that classic uh, division in comics of what you can get out of a serialized long-form story. And you get virtues out of that, out of spending five years with someone that are unique to that form.
4: Well, as you well know, it's something we're seeing, all of us people, I've spent a lot of years in love with movies, writing movies, making movies, and I still love them, I'm happy to be in this one, I hope to make some more, but there's something to be said for watching all of the Israeli show, Fauda, in two days, and getting just annihilated by it, and (laughs) the tension, and... My wife and I look at each other like, have we done everything? Can we, okay, let's go. (laughs) How many, you know, like, okay, one more. We got to do one more. There is an intensity to that. Ironically, it's a time where so many things are in much smaller bites, Mm -hmm. but the storytelling seems to be moving into larger bites. And, you know, it's so interesting to me because it's technology, the fact that people have beautiful um, OLED TVs, giant in their house, and they're watching something in 4K, fixed, so that it's fixed, so it looks like a movie, on your, <laughs> on your TV, and you're watching incredible, whether it's Game of Thrones or the Marvel shows on Netflix or whatever, or whether you're watching Roma on Netflix. I know that people are upset about that, but it's changing
1: everything. And we, we touched on it with, a little bit with this Netflix thing. So, if Coulson had his pick of the the, the the defenders team to bring onto the team, who who do you think he would pick to maybe Ooh. like assist the the shield team in their, in their one. time of no, need? I
4: have to say I'm such a fan of those shows. I really, from the minute they launched Daredevil, I just I think everyone in that cast did such an amazing job. The showrunners and creating a whole. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Hell's Kitchen. There's a different chapter of the Marvel universe, and it, inter- it interacts so well with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and then we have a different chapter where, hey, guess what? We're doing um, LMDs and Ghost Rider. I guess those aren't being used. We're going to take them and go to town. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's hard not to fantasize about those other chapters. Hopefully someday Colson will get to walk into Hell's Kitchen, maybe when it's a neighborhood that lives in Disney+. Plus.
1: <laughs> That's what I like to hear. And spoilers for if you haven't seen Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which you should. But when, when they told you that when you were going to become Ghost Rider, what, what, what was that like?
4: Um, <laughs> on the one hand, you know, I was geeking out. No way. They showed me some of the previs uh, of what the effects were going to look like. And I was, you know, I'm just going to die. Another day at work where I went, I can't believe I get to be ghostwriter. Um, and on the other hand, then I am sitting there having very serious discussions, you know, with adults about, like, how do you think... This? So what does it feel like, do you think, when I'm, my head's melting away and becoming a flaming skull that is an incarnation of a demon? And they're like, I think it hurts. I think it hurts. I think it probably hurts. Does is, is it hurt a lot? I mean, you know, like... This that's the magic of questions you thought
5: you'd never yeah, get to ask. Sure.
4: <laughs> they didn't, we didn't have that day in acting school.
5: <laughs> they weren't ready. They yeah. weren't ready for the career and no. the place that you would get to have. Uh, but we appreciate very much that you got there. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you are particularly looking forward to that's the, the ne- in the next chapter or that you can tell us?
4: I'm really excited for people to see Captain Marvel. I'm really excited for people to see Captain Marvel because it's a very unique hero. And one of the things I love about the origin stories are always that it involves someone who thinks they know themselves or may feel a little bit lost inside, having to really go deeper than they were ever comfortable going to find out what they really are and what they really stand for. I think it's rarely been done in this way, in such a beautiful way. And I think this cast is one of the great casts, especially at the head of it, Brie Larson. So I think it's one of the great characters and origin stories in Marvel, period. The fact that I'm taking my 17-year-old daughter, who's grown up with strong Marvel characters, whether it's Natasha Romanoff or Quake, Mm -hmm. Yo-Yo, Simmons on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that she gets to go watch a hero who looks like her, which I understand some people have gotten a little butthurt about. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, wake up. We were very lucky, we white males. We get to watch a lot of damn superheroes who look like us. share. It's called sharing, letting other people have their moment, too. And so I'm very excited for that to happen. And I'm excited for the little boys who get to go see a female superhero, because maybe they'll learn what we're just figuring out, which is the best thing that can happen to men, is to have strong women living in equality right next to them. Mm.
5: We we have to go before I just cry. Uh, But thank you so much for being with us and for those wonderful words. So excited for everyone to get to see this movie this weekend, uh, to enjoy your performance in it, and thank you for being here.
4: Thank you so much for having me. You.
0: Did you know that Dorian likes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <laughs> now you know. And Amy, incredible questions. I love that interview. I love the sheer amount of hype, and I love Clark Gregg. The man's a Chuck Polonic fan. That's always a good thing.
3: Hey, look, shout out to Clark Gregg for doing that while he was uh, battling being sick. Like, he was still willing to come in and do give his time, and I thought that was great of him, and he had some really great answers. He's an incredibly intelligent man. I've loved him since the David Mamet stuff he's done yeah. in Chicago and on film as well and then seeing how he's progressed as an actor to now being such a central part of a massive franchise both on TV and in film. Yeah. So that you got to give him a lot of props. So I, I really appreciate the answers to his questions. I love how much of an actor's actor he is. Yeah. I
0: love that he's just like a thespian. Yep. And to see that kind of actor in these kind of movies is just it adds a gravitas to it. Yeah. So oh. Oh, 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 There it is. I knew he'd appreciate it. Gravitas. All right, we've also got some modern mutations this week. That graphic felt longer today. First up, we've got (laughs) Zack Snyder is going to screen three of his
3: films on his birthday, his cuts, including BVS and Watchmen. Oh yeah, Kevin Smith gave details about Howard the Duck and Modoc and all these things that are happening there. For who he's excited and give you, he's given you a bit of a detailed oh, about what he's doing with Howard the Duck and how Howard the Duck inspired him growing up. We also have begun production
0: on Jay and Silent Bob rebooted, and I am so excited. I'm going <laughs> to talk about why that franchise means so much to me. And Kevin Smith began the production photo of a very important person near and dear to our hearts. We're going to talk about
3: that. Also, Will Smith not coming back to Suicide Squad. I guess we're clearing the. Deck. I guess he's got to do that Venus and Serena movie, so he don't have time to go back uh, to Suicide Squad uh, 2. So we'll see what happens. Also, to that. Neither is Don Cheadle. That rumor was funny, but even Don, Don Cheadle's Cheadle. like, What? <laughs> uh, so,
0: Patton, although, nope, sorry, Brandon Fraser is. Superman. We'll talk about how he
3: auditioned for the Cape Crusader. Not that Cape Crusader. The other one. And speaking of Patton Oswald, he is the voice of MODOK and he's writing it as well. You gotta. Re- you, we're gonna talk about it, I guess. It's what? How his approach to this character and what they want to do with it. It is
0: hilarious. And Resident Alien has gotten a series order on Sci-Fi. This
3: is one of Amy's most hyped properties, and if Amy's excited, you should be too. I can't wait to hear her talk about it. And our last minor mutation. What a fantastic trailer for The Tick uh, Season 2 coming out here on Amazon Prime. I'm super excited for it. I've always enjoyed The Tick in every version, including the Patrick Warburton version. So to see this version coming out of the way and all these extra new heroes coming in and villains coming for the second season, it looks like a blast. Now, Perry, our guest, yes. which of the <laughs> my mutations calls to you most?
2: Okay, can I say two? Please. Yes, please. I have two. Obviously the Will Smith thing. Mm-hmm. I have not stopped thinking about that also because we covered the King Richard story on Movie Talk recently and it's just interesting to think about the, you know, the path uh, Will Smith's career is heading down right now and also, just the state of Suicide Squad, the new movie mm. under the guidance now of James Gunn. And it's it's mixed emotions because there. even though I didn't love Suicide Squad, the movie, the David Ayer movie, there were so many little bits in it that I really did like that I don't want to see get completely mm. shelved and put away. I want to see them come back and... One of those things was I wanted more Will Smith as Deadshot, just like I want more Harley Quinn uh, played by Margot Robbie, which, of course, I'm getting. And there's other little details there, but... I was kind of disappointed to hear that, and I did think that James Gunn signing on would have maybe encouraged some of them a little more so to stay on, but then I'm also conflicted because James Gunn is such an, inc- he's like a crazy creative guy, mm. and I want him to make this what he sees mm. it to be from day one, so these two things are at odds, which is a little frustrating in my mind right now, but the other one I wanted to point out, because I was very surprised, was The Tick. Yeah! So, <laughs> I have not watched any of The Tick, but I will say that at Comic-Con, and I feel like this was Comic-Con like three years ago at this point, where they were promoting the first season, and it had had always stuck in my mind just because I think they did a really good job promoting it. Clearly not enough to actually watch it, but then I'm like, when I see this in your notes, how are they only on season two? Then I watched the trailer anyway, assuming, oh, I'm not going to care because I didn't watch season one. Mm. I kind of liked it. Yeah. I like the, t- the two of them together. And I will say that I can't make any promises because I am just like up to my eyeballs and work right
3: now. <laughs> but I do
2: kind of want to go and watch it.
3: It's a great showcase for Peter Serafinowicz. who if you, you he shows up as a character, I a British actor, he shows up as a character actor in a number of films. He was in the most recent John Wick as the guy who was handing him out the weapons, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. He was in that couple's retreat crazy ass movie being the counselor for them. So he pops up in these random uh, spots and he's so much fun to watch. So to get him be let him be a lead in a, in a show like this, it's fun to see his comedic sensibilities and he does retain the, the essence of the tick, which is which Warburton kind of introduced and you like to see going forward. So I'm happy about that. Too. I think
0: it's a show that's going to find a cult following. It's oh have yeah. legs. I think they probably ordered two or three seasons up front or knew the shape mm-hmm. of things because it would mm-hmm. take time to find that audience. And on the on the Will Smith note, I definitely agree that Deadshot was a, a highlight. I definitely agree Will Smith was very well cast as Deadshot. I'm always excited to see Will Smith play that serious action guy. Like ever since Bad Boys, yeah. we want more. He's a lot more comedic in Bad Boys, obviously, but that that Will Smithness <laughs> is integral to these movies, and I love that. I can't wait for Bad Boys three, but it's not going to be Deadshot. I also think uh, the thing I need to talk about because Kevin Smith. His his entire Mm. career means so much to me. Um, The reason I do this is because Kevin Smith was my hero growing up, and then I realized, oh, wait, you can talk about comics for a living? Kevin Smith's podcast is what made me realize this was possible, and I then realized... Brody Bruce was kind of my spirit animal because he went from comic nerd in basement to talk show host and never lost his sensibility and he loved Stan Lee. So Brody Bruce, I realized, is so much of me and whenever I rewatch that movie, I'm like, did this affect my entire life? So Jane and Silent Bob Rebooted is so important to me because the, the Rats world, the Jane and Silent Bob world, all of this stuff I've always wanted more of it because it's such a part of my childhood and, and apparently such a part of my adulthood that the idea that they open this with a love letter to Stan Lee there's a, a Stan Lee sweat And glasses in the first production shot. And they talk about how important Stan was to Mauretz and how important that whole movement was to get More Rats made, and and I just love that Kevin Smith, no matter how much his career has advanced, has stayed one of us. Kevin Smith is such a sweaty, he will take pictures with his phone and then tweet them so you get the photo. Like He is a ride-or-die one of us, and to open a production on a film that is being funded by a, a fan-funded organization, all of those things just speaks to the type of man he is, and uh, to make sure Stan was mentioned at the offset, just much love for that whole thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that 100%. One of the, uh, you know, you don't get after being in this business for a while I don't get too starstruck much anymore you see them when we do what we do one of the things as I was taking a shortcut to work years ago or a, a few months ago Kevin Smith walking randomly out of his house and I, and I was I almost like like and it was one of those Hollywood Hills so he might have been visiting somebody or maybe it was his house but I almost like froze and slammed into a car because it was Kevin Smith walking out I wanted to just stop and tell him how much I, I enjoyed his movies and when he was doing the when he was one of these people who was at the front of the independent movie, movie in the 90s yeah. really interesting inspired me to do, you know, kind of roundabout way, like you with comics, me with movies. Like, these people opening the door to independent movie, getting more of a showcase. He was one of those people that did that, so I kind of wanted, but I, I just drove on. Because I, <laughs> I didn't want to bother him, and it's his life, you know, I don't want to bother him. But, yeah, this is great. The, the homage to Stanley is fantastic. You know, you, people, people people love Stanley in so many different ways, and, and to see the way he is loved by uh, by Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith saying how oh, Stanley came to him, like, when are we making a movie again? You could just see that interaction, 100%. you know. So giving respect in that way is fantastic uh, all around.
2: I want to echo something you just said, because his style of filmmaking, too, it, it gives you that kind of grounded approach that anything's possible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's always been a major source of encouragement to me, because as much as I love the big blockbusters and as much as, let's say, a Captain Marvel inspires me, making a movie on that level feels... feels no, it doesn't feel real to me. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't feel possible. But something like what Kevin Smith does does and I love that vibe. I like everything, almost everything that he works on. He,
0: he's, another, he's another
2: kind of guy that takes some big swings yeah. and some big risks, particularly because of the way he works. And I do admire that. I'm not going to say everything across the board has sat well with me. But I am thrilled to see anything he works on. And as far as the, the Stan Lee reference goes, I, every single time I see anybody pay respects to Stan Lee still, I always forget how raw it, it still yeah. feels. And I don't want to spoil a certain something that I saw recently. But when I saw it, it was it was a, it was a positive punch to the gut. If that Hell makes yeah. any sense, yeah. I just I didn't realize how overwhelmed I was going to get mm-hmm. by that one thing, and it it really took me by surprise in a good way.
0: Spider Verse was like a punch to the gut, like right, it was that that positive feeling yeah. of emotion. I totally I totally agree with you. And read his Instagram post; it is the mm-hmm. beautiful uh, message to stay about the movie starting. I just I really want to give some love to Jansal and Bob rebooted. I love everything mm-hmm. it represents. Yeah. Speaking of sweaties, Pat Matt Oswald voicing Modo. Yeah
3: is that, such a great choice. You gotta see this clip of him talking about a late night with Seth Meyers. I love the way he's approaching it, and the way they're approaching this whole series. All these series to leading to The Offenders, which is genius on so <laughs> many levels. But this idea that they're looking at MODOK as a guy who's who's bitching about the heroes and the villains that are ahead of him, because who doesn't know? Somebody's like, damn it, I want to be some Sometimes that's me. I, damn it, I want to be farther than I am right now. What the hell? And you get mad at everybody as well. You want to move forward. So you see that with MODOK, and the way they're doing it with that kind of, like, you know, Oswald's going to bring that comedic, hilarious sensibility to his voice—that yeah. he's frustrated, that he's not—he's got a big head, small body, like all of that. Therefore, and a, and a beam in his forehead, like what's that all about? So to bring it all, forward, and I know Schnapp was a massive fan of Modoc as well. So having it come f- to fruition in this way is exciting on so many levels, and uh, I love what he had to say about it, and I love the approach. To that it made me—I'm wa- like, okay, now I'm in for this series. Yeah. Like the Howard the Duck, I'm hesitant because of that mm-hmm. George Lucas movie, but this, I'm a thousand percent down with. So. Hit Monkey's John Wick monkey. I'm just That's saying. true. I'm just saying. That's you know true. how
2: I feel about Hitmonkey now. Yeah. I'm just fascinated, like blind fascination <laughs> at first, and then you explained it a little more to me at, uh, at uh, Amazing Comic Con Aloha. We're I'm in like, Hawaii, I'm
0: and I'm just running around going, no, no, trust me. Hit Monkey's going to change the game to anyone that would listen. It was, poor Perry <laughs> and was I, very patient.
2: I listened, and I believe you because I will be watching it, but as far as Patton Oswald goes, sign him up for anything, and I will follow him. Yeah. I find him... like off-screen, too, to be such an encouraging and pleasant uh, yeah. persona. He just emits good vibes all the time, but I'm also a huge, huge Pixar fan, and his voice work as Remy in Ratatouille <laughs> is hands down one of my favorite voice performances of all time, so if you lend that to this whatsoever, and also his comedic sensibility and a million other things, for whatever reason, young adults, the first thing coming into my mind right <laughs> now, because I love that movie, that movie didn't get enough credit, but... <sighs> Sign me up for anything that he is attached to.
0: So we got to get to comics. I'm going to briefly power through a couple more of these. Uh, Zack Snyder, for his birthday, is having a three-film marathon. Check that out online.
3: Listen. I love the schmodown, but I'm a little mad at that free-for-all because the reason I can't go <laughs> I can't go on Saturday is because I can't. Uh, Zack Snyder is doing The Watchman. Jason and I were talking about going, and then we looked at uh-huh. the time, uh-huh. and then I'm like, son of a. I almost want to get kicked out in the first round so I can run <laughs> off Just and, book and go Zach see it. It's $100 a ticket, and I'll gladly pay $100 to hear Zack Snyder talk about The Watchmen, which is a film I've fallen back in love with thanks yep. to that director, Scott. Who's the director of that film? Zack Snyder. So I would love to sit there and watch the other one is BVS. I can't. I don't know. They almost. I kind of almost have a strange fascination because I don't like that movie at all. Have you seen to, the Oldman cut? Yes, and it's yeah, okay. terrible. if you go see Aww. him uh, talk about uh, BVS? <laughs> Uh, in a forum like this, would be very, very interesting with so, special guests. think yeah. Ben Affleck has some more time at his hand. <laughs> so I
0: think somebody? you should definitely check out that yeah. screening if you're in LA, especially. It's well worth it. Thirty bucks a movie with the director talking and cast members showing up. That's a great birthday present yeah. for us from him on his birthday. Uh, I also briefly Resident Alien is something you should definitely check out. The Tick season two we briefly talked about, and Brendan Fraser auditioned for Superman back in the day in the pre-Brian Singer landing everything era, back before the Brandon Routh stuff. So it's a really interesting interview. Uh, uh, I, I think you should check it out. I've been reading Batman all morning, so my mind was on that, Cape Crusader. But Superman, Brendan Fraser, I could totally see in the 90s. I can actually, like, that oh, yeah. sensibility would have been perfect. And he talked about how it was Shakespeare in space, that script, when it was the J.J. Abrams edition. So J.J. almost directed Brendan Fraser in Superman in space.
3: I almost want to be stuck on an elevator with J.J. and ask him, what was it like to come up with this idea with Ratner? What was that experience like? Talk to me for, like, I'm going to hit the stop button on the elevator for 10 <laughs> minutes. Tell me what I won't reveal it to my soul, but tell me what it was like working with Brett Ratner on a Superman movie yeah. with your script. Like, what that must have been like. And I remember Frazier being one of the people they kicked around. So this is nice to hear him talk about. that he wore the suit. And that yeah. door. Oh, It's interesting. And mentioning Matt Bomber in that article, too, is interesting because that's my choice for Superman right okay. now. If they don't go with Cavill, Matt Bomber would be interesting for me. It took Cavill two rounds. Maybe we'll get Ballmer in two. Yeah, you know? that's pretty, could be.
2: I don't want Cavill to go anywhere anytime Neither soon. Neither do I. I'm intrigued by this idea, though, because Brendan Frazier was like one of my main men in mm. the 90s and I could totally see him fitting inside Something like that. Probably not anymore, though. But, uh, don't, don't He's let, great. He's great don't in waste, Don't waste Henry Cavill. I feel like I'm almost yeah. going back to the Will Smith uh, Deadshot conversation. And even uh, Ben Affleck in the role of Batman. Just don't do that with him. Just at least give us one more. Give, give us, us the one, solo. Give us one more proper Man of Steel sequel mm-hmm. and then let him call it quits. Mm-hmm. Don't waste that opportunity. I,
3: if they ever do Dark Knight Returns as a live action which they kind of attempted to do in BBS. I would love to see Frazier come back and play. Oh, that be amazing! That older Superman that has to fly in and talk to Bruce in his sixties or fifties, and talk—that would be awesome. Just bring JJ back.
0: Let's do flyby. Yeah, yeah, let's reunite the flyby Why team. Not? Let's make Why that not? happen.
3: And dude, if you're not watching Doom Patrol, get on it. Subscribe to DC Universe and watch Doom Patrol. Is incredible, incredible. So next week we'll have Captain Marvel spoilers, but this week
0: we got a comic poll list. <laughs> the silent graphics? Are they I love longer it, I today? It. We're all it's just like, Amy, usually talk at this it. point. I don't know if it's me. <laughs> Maybe I'm dropping the ball here. All right. Our pull Bullets, <laughs> features number one is Uncanny X-Men 13. I'll tell you why in just a minute. Oh, yeah. The
3: number two is Batman number 66. Oh, the Batman's trying to figure things out. Oh, is that, is that right? Am I going in the right order? Yeah, right, yeah Okay. Gonna... Uh, he's trying to figure things out. And who does he need to figure help figure things out? The question.
0: And then number three, we got Female Furies number two, a brand new series on its
3: second issue. Oh, Doomsday Clock number nine. This series, if you're not reading it, it is fantastic. The whole reason I got Comicsology was so <laughs> that I can just read this stuff on my computer as soon as these issues come out.
0: And then we've got Meet the Scrolls number one, a brand new series tying into the world of Cosmic Marvel. Very exciting stuff. Now, I want to kick it back to our number one draft pick, Uncanny X-Men number 13. Cyclops is back and he's good again. Cyclops has <laughs> been kicked around for years. In my opinion, ever since they ruined him in the movies, they started kicking around in the comics. Cyclops and Storm, to me, are the leaders of the X-Men. They're the blue and gold team leaders. Xavier's the headmaster. He's your Dumbledore. But you need your teachers. So I love that they're giving Cyclops some respect again. There's an annual. No one ever reads annuals, or they talk about it enough. The new Uncanny X-Men annual is brilliant, and it brings Cyclops back. Issue number 11 and 12 were both a Cyclops-Wolverine team-up issues, leading to number 13, which kicks off a new story arc. If Cyclops and Wolverine reluctantly teaming up, both recently back from the dead, leading to this issue, can't sell you? you probably don't like X-Men. But if you do like X-Men, Uncanny X-Men number 13 is a brilliant jumping off point. I am so glad Cyclops is back, and I'm so glad they're giving him some respect. It's about damn time.
3: Wow. (laughs) I don't know how I follow that up other than telling you, hey, I love this idea of of, of the Batman and the Question coming together. Yes. That, to me, is a great combo. As a massive fan of that run from the 90s with the Question, Uh, I'm excited whenever he pops up in any of the stuff, the main titles. Mm -hmm. So to see him coming up with Batman, that's excitement on so many levels for me. Me, and I can't stress enough, Doomsday Clock, if you're not reading it, we get this no- issue number nine, apparently, Dr. Manhattan, and everything's going to go down and crazy in this one. If you've been following along, this is the issue you've been waiting for. So I'm excited for that. And I love that they've been able to blend Watchmen with the world yeah. of DC without it feeling like pandering. And and every yeah, single and issue, I've been like, I'm in this. I'm enraptured. And, and it, it, people were so worried that it wasn't going to work. People yeah. were so worried. It was, and it has worked well, in my opinion, overall. Jeff Johns, killing it. Yep. Uh, from these, anything called to you?
2: Give me scrolls.
3: Yes. We were
2: talking about that. Mendelssohn earlier <laughs> yes. and really without spoiling anything his portrayal of that character is a major reason why I'm so I love the, the idea of the scrolls overall and especially the kree Scroll war I'm very mm-hmm. into that right now but with what he does with that character I can't I can't get enough of them yeah. I can't no. get enough of them and if this gives me the opportunity to explore them further maybe I will
0: I, and it's a great jumping on point if you're into the world of Marvel films check out Meet the I'm Skrulls. always
2: encouraged when there's a number one next to one of your comic <laughs> is- <laughs>
0: I got this. No backstory? Good, I'm in. All right, and then we have a very special comic on the oh, pull yeah. list this week, a comic that is not even part of the pull list. It's its own category. This, to me, is, is a love letter in, in the purest fashion, in the sweatiest fashion. Green Lantern number 5 is uh, – can we flip to the inside graphic? Because it's just – this is so beautiful mm. to me. I love this so impossibly much. Uh, Liam Sharp, who is the artist on this book, Grant Morrison is the writer, put John – as the King of the sweaties. he's a king holding his sword in this image and what a beautiful moment in comics and what a great way to show love for the King of the Sweaties. I, I, I just know how much John would love this. Like yeah. this is so perfectly John. And it's so powerful. It's such a striking image. And and to be in a Green Lantern book, to be in such a big, bold, cosmic book make John so happy.
3: And I just I thank you, Liam Sharp, thank you for this beautiful tribute. Absolutely. And the thing is the position that he's in is the position that you usually see from people in Like in the Shakespearean King Mm -hmm. Hamlet, King Hamlet laying with the beard and the sword. It's so regal and noble and respectful. So you got to give Liam Sharp so much love for doing this and his tweet when he says it's extra special to me as it features a memorial to my dear departed friend, the legend that was John Schnapp, a giant, a cat lover, a comic lover and a big advocate of my work. I miss him enormously. And he gives a shout out to Holly. And so like that, you can't deny how beautiful this is and what a great tribute it is.
2: Riley showed that to me mm. yesterday, and uh, yeah, it it touched me yeah. to say the least. And also hearing what you just said from uh, from his comment. I mean I, I feel it every single day. I feel mm. it every single day here, every single time we talk about a movie that, that Schnepp was excited about. I will never and also while we were at at Amazing Comic Con too. It's yeah. just
0: Oh, John was there. I,
2: I could I could feel him mm. like nudging us along the entire way, and there's no there's no denying that we wouldn't have been there without him and his influence and I don't think we would have been able to crush those panels quite like we yeah. did <laughs> without all of his encouragement. So being able to see how far his reach is is really something special.
0: And and to me the, the Clyde desk is always his so I I love having a moment to talk about him and talk about it from a perspective of a comic. There is comic art of him and that just that just makes me so happy that exists. So please pick up Green Lantern number five. That is also out this week. It is just staggering that that exists. Thank you so much, Liam Sharp. And DC, thank you. Thank you. Uh, do we have time for a sweaty question? I think of one week. sweaty Let's question. Let's do a sweaty can question. We, can
3: we do that, Adam? Can we jump to a
0: sweaty question? Alright, our sweaty question is going to be from Old Geek Scott at Old Geek Scott. With rumors of Disney Fox deal closing in March, how would you reboot and introduce the X-Men into the MCU Deadpool verse aside, I've got two versions. I want to hear your takes first?
2: That is a really big question. <laughs> That's
0: why it's the sweaty one? I don't have all
2: the answers. um I I don't have, like, a specific story-driven answer, but what I think, what I would like to see happen is almost like a very slow rollout. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, given the fact that they knew this deal closing was on the horizon, if we get something in maybe Avengers Endgame where it's not like, oh, someone's saying, oh, the X-Men exist, or, you know, mutants are out there, but rather small, subtle things that are planted that, over time, slowly build, because... Especially with, in my mind right now, I know it's not confirmed, the Guardians of the Galaxy semi out of the equation. I am still of the belief that that movie is never going to happen. That is a void that wow. these characters can fill and they should fill, but obviously we need to build the foundation in order for that to happen. I just don't want to see them just dropped in unceremoniously, which doesn't seem like a thing Kevin Feige would do, right. but I love the idea of slowly planting the idea that mutants exist within the MCU.
3: Do so you, you think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 3- is not going to happen.
2: I'm still that's interesting. That, yeah. yeah, that's
3: fascinating because everyone's talking about it right now. It's the first time i hearing, right hearing this. Yeah, oh, interesting. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I love it. It's certainly possible. But here, for me, I like the theory that I've heard before that it's like Endgame causes this by them messing with going through time, science, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Why, I sat with a couple of friends of mine over the weekend. One's a story editor, a numerous animated He's Like, no way it's going to happen. No way it's not the way. It's-. But I believe it's possible, right? But I don't want children X-Men. I don't want teenagers. I get that you have to reboot it, and maybe I'm being unrealistic. I want them to have been already out, already existing, out solving stuff out in the universe, in the galaxies, and then they come back. Feige said, they're both going out into galaxies with this new phase, and so I want to see them expand out, where the X-Men have already been on these missions out in space, blah, blah, blah. Then they come back with everything they have with Thanos. They realize they have to be more of a part of Mm. the situation, and then they come and find the Avengers, and we have our thing. That's... what I would like to see happen. Having them reboot as children and teenagers, and blah, 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 I, I get that it economically makes sense for studio, but it would drive me insane. So, I'd ask the Board of Justice himself, because I got two quick
0: ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I have two versions of reality that could exist after Endgame. I think they personally go into a new dimension because that there's a precedent in comics. I think that mm. there's a reason we saw in the new Endgame trailer a beardless cap and we had a bearded cap in the last one. I think there's a reason there's a jump cut between the Ant-Man scene between Scarlet Witch, I mean uh, Black Widow, and the cap when they're talking There's a clear cut in that moment. So I think the end of that movie is there's a sacrifice of life and they go into a new dimension. I think we might have actually lost T'Challa, Tom Holland, all those characters, and we get new ones in these movies going forward. I think that maybe Far From Home is a different new Tom Holland as Peter Parker. So in that world, I would have them go into a dimension where the X-Gene exists, where they're in a new world where X-Men are established. And that way, if they wanted to do a kid version or an adult version, Mm -hmm. you could do it. You could do the Harry Potter thing where you've got a team of six or seven X-Men and they grow up through the years and you could have you know your, your different professors and all those things or my other take would be you've got Scarlet Witch getting her own series on Disney Plus right what if they M of house not house of M oh what if she's under sure. duress in a fight scene and she says mutants instead yeah. of saying no more mutants and it activates X genes and that way you could have older X-Men you've got your old guard you've got your Cyclops you've got your Wolverine you've got your storm as adults they get X-Genes activated that way you don't have to worry about the puberty thing you don't have to worry about like you know the raising the mm. kids thing and then they can lead a new team of X-Men they can play with the mythology more they can bring in whatever x-men are currently hot in the comics which is what will be happening and that way you could have different one-off storylines you could have a storm movie which is overdue you can have jubilee actually get her time to shine you can have the the 90s flavor because the x-gene gets activated with the word mutants and then it sends out the shockwave so either interdimensionally having them raised from old to young no matter what i want solo movies but more likely i'd love to see an activation of the x-gene by way of this new phase four hmm
6: one there you, you go.
2: I'm intrigued. I don't know how I feel, <laughs> feel about the, uh, the other dimension idea. I think that was the only thing that lost me in this whole idea, just because it sounds like a a super, uh, I mean, not necessarily complicated, but we're also talking about, you know, we are diehard fans. We'll watch every single movie. We'll pick them apart to Mm. no end. But for the general movie going public Mm -hmm. out there, I feel like having a different dimension in operation alongside the dimension we've known all along might be a little too complicated
3: and messy. That's what what my friend said. And I pushed back a little bit going, "Well, well, the Flash does it. For seasons now, multiple dimensions within yeah. Flash. So, and you've got the crossovers that happen on the CW. But you might make a great point, Perry, because it's the movie-going audience versus the TV-going audience. TV-going audience understands they're in for a season, whereas movie-going audiences they don't want to be like, "What do I have to keep track of?" What mm-hmm. it, it starts to become like the prequels with Star Wars and all those different trade federations. all that, Like, whoa, you know, you just want to be straightforward story. Some, some obviously some uh, complexity to it, but not necessarily enough to keep you out. But three hours of Endgame,
0: like a six-hour yeah, movie, Endgame. We've seen the time travel theoretical stuff. I think we're going to get two caps in Endgame. I think we're going to see some crazy stuff. No, man. I, yeah, we're going to see some craziness. Those are just my theories. I want to see X-Men in the MCU so <laughs> bad. Thank you very much for this sweaty question. This has been a hell of a week of news, hell of a week of trailers. And until next week, stay sweaty.
6: All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does
4: anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you with that?
5: The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning.